Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, everybody. I'm Robert Evans, and this is again Behind the Bastards. Uh, this is part two of our of our episode on Eric Prince, uh, and with me in the studio today is Miles. How are you doing, Miles? I'm good. I am great. And I'm just I'm itching to know more about Eric Prince because the first round, first episode, first part. Which was like six months ago. Yeah, but I still remember most of it. And I it's it's a testament to the American spirit. That's a thing. <laughs> it's a testament to that, among other things. It's a testament to being born with hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Testament to all of that stuff. Well, uh, what have you been up to in the last six months? Uh last six months. Uh I don't really care. Okay. What's your guess as to what Eric Prince has been getting up to? I'm going to, if I'm a bet gambling man and I like to gamble, I'll go with a safe bet, and I'm just going to say crimes against humanity, just in general. War crimes? Yes, I mean, okay, war crimes. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Absolutely, has he has been a part of some war crimes yeah. that have been committed recently, which we'll talk about later. But more interestingly, I guess I should be more pointed. Do you want to guess as to what Eric Prince has bought since you and I talked? Okay, last? so last time he tried to make that his homemade fucking fighter jet, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. that went <laughs> did, did not, not work out well. well. Uh, so what's easier? Probably boats. Ding ding ding. I mean, knowing how Betsy DeVos loves her yachts, yeah, you know, it only makes sense that brother Eric is going to be like, let me turn this well, ship up. Just within the last few weeks, he purchased or. We'll get into what he did later. But okay. he basically purchased, quote, three high-speed catamarans armed with electronically aimed and fired machine guns and cannon, three trimarans armed with heavy machine guns and cannon, and drones which could be armed. They are equipped with military-grade surveillance radars and high-speed semi-rigid inflatable boats that can be used to launch commandos and boarding parties from the larger ships. Wow. <laughs> yes. Wait, what was the second kind of boat you said? A, tri- a trimaran? What is that? I'm mad. It's just it's a boat of some sort. 
and it has a lot of guns on it. Right. I, I don't know much about boats. Okay. But he bought two different kinds of boats with a shitload of guns on them. Can you show me a picture of a catamaran and a trimaran? Sophie! Perfect. All right. Just so I can wrap my head around. Because what's a, isn't a catamaran, like, when I think of a catamaran, I don't think of, like, a, a warfaring boat. I I'm, I assume there are armed, I mean, I think it's by a basic, def, a broader definition. It's where, like a type of boat, yeah. and they just armored this one and put some guns on it. Yeah. Yeah, our Eric, yeah. So Eric Prince has a, well, Oh, okay, so it is a thing with, like, the three. Okay, because, yeah, oh, yeah the catamaran is, like, the two-piece yeah. thing where you see people, it's like, we're in Saint-Tropez, and I'm laying yeah. on this net in between the... It's, it's the boat equivalent of those spaceships in Cloud City and... Uh, Bespin. Bespin, thank yes. you. Yeah, yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. that. Right. I think, uh, which is so funny, like, it's still very, like, waspy, like, old money, like, a catamaran except for war. Yeah, well, he, in a little bit of defense to Eric, mm-hmm. he didn't He didn't just go buying armed catamarans. He bought the Navy of Mozambique. Oh, Yeah, okay. yeah, so. Great rates over there. Well, yes, because their, their economy collapsed recently because their entire country got taken in by a giant con scam thing. Wow. Basically, they um they wanted to modernize their tuna harvesting fleet and needed like a loan for $800 million, right? Okay. Which, which they got, in which the people of Mozambique were like, yeah, sure, modernize the tuna harvesting fleet, we'll all make more money. But the government, working with shadowy foreign interests, secretly took out an extra $1.2 billion in loans that they used to buy a navy, and they lied about it. And so... Wait, an extra one... Yeah. Okay, so the first yeah. thing is we need eight hundred million for the tuna fleet. For the tuna fleet, and they're which, like, you know, it's a it's a sea bound nation. Right. But then you buy, then you secretly borrow even more than what you <laughs> to tell buy them. a navy. <laughs> what the fuck? Okay. So they bought this navy secretly and then and lied about it. And but once they'd bought it, they'd spent all of their money, so they didn't have enough money to man the navy, which they were planning to. They were planning to lease the navy to a private corporation that would then basically be a for-profit navy based in Mozambique. So for, they like, wanted the to shipping. Airbnb their fucking navy. Yeah, that was the plan. <laughs> yeah, but, just to like get in the black on this thing. Yeah, but they just didn't, they, they couldn't actually run the navy and the whole venture sort of collapsed and somehow Eric Prince wound up uh, in control of it. Now, it's weird because this first source I found this from was a website that's new to me called Spiked News, which bills itself as an outlet for stories that have been buried or crushed by the daily media noise. So I was a little bit like, Mm. is this some fake news bullshit? So I looked around, and I was able to find other sources on the article that were a little bit less direct than Spiked had been, but said basically the same thing. So I'm going to quote from this Bloomberg article called Eric Prince to Partner with Mozambique's Hidden Debt Companies, which (laughs) that sounds above board. Hidden debt companies is a, one of those are the companies that helped members of the government of Mozambique take on more loans right, than the right. country could afford, Love which them. then bankrupted the nation. Yeah, hidden so, debt company will always sound terrible. There's no yeah, way to make that sound. Yeah, good. and these are the people Eric is working with. So, Blackwater Security founder Eric Prince will partner with at least one of the state-owned Mozambican companies at the center of a hidden loan scandal that resulted in the country defaulting on its debt this year. Prince, chairman of the Hong Kong-based Frontier Services Group, is forming a joint venture with the tuna fishing company Amatum and may extend this to assisting the Southeast African nation with maritime security. Hmm, <laughs> yummy. I wonder if Eric Prince has a Navy now. It sounds it's, like it. It sure sounds like Eric sure, Prince has one. a Navy now. Yeah, at least renting a Navy. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I don't want to go that. I'm not doing that yeah. well. I'm I'm rent. I'm leasing a navy. And he's he's doing some counterterrorism stuff for the country. So yeah, it sounds like he has found a country. In fucking quotes. Counterterrorism, <laughs> whatever that yeah. is. Yeah, I mean, he's he's doing something shady in Mozambique, and right. now he has a navy. So that's good. That's really nice. Yeah. 
Um, anyway, we're all caught up, uh, other than the, the... He bought a fucking Navy, he bought a, I, It's like we bought a Sioux, but with war machines. I know. <laughs> he bought a catamaran and a trimaran with... No, six of six them, I of think. Them. Three, three catamarans three and, three. and three trimarans. And plus drones, plus little <laughs> skiffs, so you can you can just have boarding commandos. parties. Commandos. Yeah. Because Eric Prince should have more commandos. Well, it the, worked well the last he, time. The bodies part he can figure out. It's the getting around the international laws that prohibit private people from owning military hardware. That, <laughs> He's mastered. Yeah, he's 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 really a, is he's like he's, I he's focused. He's focused. If anything, mm-hmm. this is focused. a man who said I will have some kind of my own military yeah. army, I, air force. I whatever. want my own militaries. Right. And he's, he's got he's got his he's got his ground goons. Mm-hmm. He's got that ground game worked out. Now he want couldn't couldn't figure out the skies. Now take him to the sea. Yep. Yep. So he's he's in the sea. Yeah. And that's uh, that's where Eric Prince is now. So now that we're all cut up, I would like to talk to you about the book that I just read this week. Oh, okay. It's called Civilian Warriors, The Inside Story of Blackwater and the Unsung Heroes of the War on Terror. Well, first of all, based on everything we were talking about last time, <laughs> to call some of these people fucking unsung, unsung heroes? heroes? Holy well, shit. Well, the people who saw their heroics couldn't sing because they were too busy screaming. Right. Because Blackwater was firing grenades into a crowd. Right. And they're like, they're like I'm sorry, man. I, I, haven't, I haven't let this thing on. Off all day. <laughs> so obviously the author of that book is Eric Prince. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and some other guy. Clearly Eric Prince outlined it and some other dude filled out the writing. You know? Right, whoever the ghostwriter is. But he's credited as the author. Uh, it's exactly the kind of self-serving autobiography you would expect from a billionaire whose companies, ha- companies have been tied to more war crimes than several SS battalions. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just dive into the introduction. Okay. Uh, this gives Eric a chance to lay out his beliefs on the war on terror in brief. So, yeah. Western governments continue to struggle to find real solutions to these crises. They have spent trillions of dollars during that Cold War preparing the mightiest of hammers, but when you have a magnificent hammer, everything looks like a nail. So this is the problem. Wow. He's accurately identified the problem the U.S. military has with counterinsurgency. Right, right. Because we do have a really great hammer, and we're not dealing with nail problems. Yeah. That's like, fair. Yeah, you get a penis implant, and you're like, how do I not fuck with this thing? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, but then you wind up in the wall of... Penis, hall of penises. Yeah, and so your penis is just useless. Yeah, I yeah. Guess so yes, that's Gotta the situation. That's a fine analogy to yeah. the current we'll U.S. military with strategy. I mean, anyway. everything is a phallic. Yeah, metaphor. yeah. It's it's funny to me that he's he's diagnosing the shortcoming and attributing it to the U.S. military that their problem is that they have a great hammer and so everything looks like a nail. Because all Eric has ever done in his entire life is build hammers. Um, <laughs> but he he seems to think that what his people do is different and more suited to the war on terror than what the U.S. military does. Right, because they don't have rules. Yeah, well. The hammer of traditional forces lacks the nimbleness and fiscal efficiency of either (laughs) small active duty units or contracted special forces. Even more troubling, traditional forces can inflame a situation instead of pacifying it. Instead of pacifying <laughs> Instead it. Instead of pacifying it. What, what colorful language. I love that. Yeah, and I love it because if there's one thing Blackwater absolutely has done everywhere it's operated, it's inflamed the situation. Oh, no, we pacified it. Uh, well, that's what they'll say, right? I mean, I would say Army Colonel Peter Mansour said this about Blackwater. If they push traffic off the roads or if they shoot up a car that looks suspicious, they may be operating within their contract, but it is to the detriment of the mission, which is to bring people over to our side. Uh, there's also another quote I found in a textbook called U.S. Domestic and International Regimes of Security by uh, Army Colonel, Lieutenant Colonel Ralph Peters, who said, armed contractors do harm counterinsurgency efforts. Just ask the troops in Iraq. Oof. So there's, yeah. there's a lot of 
military people who have served alongside Blackwater right. who are like, these guys don't help the effort in any way. It's just the, like that nepotism, like yeah. where suddenly your boss's like nephew shows up to work and yeah. he's fucking useless, but it's like the boss had extra money. So it's like, yeah, just give it to this guy. Fuck it. Well, it's a mix of like the boss had extra money, but also like, oh boy, we only have half as many troops as right. we need to do the job. And these guys don't count as humans legally. Right. Like we don't yeah. have to report that they exist or died. Right. <laughs> it's a whole mess. Oh. <sighs> So Eric has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder about the fact that, you know, he had to sell his company Blackwater and it had to be renamed. And, mm-hmm. you know, there were all those murders and yeah, massacres. Right. And yeah, well, he, here's how he sums that all up. After failing in their multi-year effort to win hearts and minds in Iraq, the bureaucrats decided a company that had repeatedly answered this government's pleas for help was suddenly more valuable as a scapegoat. I was strung up so the politicians could feign indignation and pretend my men hadn't done exactly what they paid us handsomely to do. <laughs> oh, wow. What a worldview. I love it because, like, the major incident that led to him losing Blackwater was a bunch of his guys firing into a crowd. Right. <laughs> and it was like a protest, right? No, or it was, was just it? a traffic circle. One of them panicked That's and they just right. fired oh, into right, a crowd. Right. And there was, like, no explanation. There was no explanation. And they there weren't really any weapons present. Any- no incoming fire right. whatsoever. No, they just massacred 14 people. And he's like, ah, it's the politicians trying to make me look bad. <laughs> Maybe if your people hadn't shot for, and then there was that guy who drunkenly shot the vice president of Iraq's security guard in the right. green zone. There was a lot of stuff. Those guys yeah. who crashed an armored vehicle because right, they were right. hammered because they were drunk. <laughs> right, it's just the party crew. Blackwater. It, those do sound like some fun parties. I mean, in the scariest way, where you're like, I mean, these guys know what they're doing with their guns, but I feel like it's gonna get weird suddenly. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, they don't sound fun to drink with. Getting drunk and having an armored vehicle to tool around with. Yeah, sounds, sounds like great. a shitload. But of not fun. in like an environment where there's the possibility that yeah, they would have to yeah. be like have some kind of like situational Need awareness your wits ar- around yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, if you're a company that makes armored vehicles, we're open for sponsorships. I would I love will, to crash one drunkenly yeah, I and will just get drunk in your Bearcat and ride it right into a fucking wall. Right, and show how strong it is, how sturdy that armor is. Right. Yeah. Uh, so Prince's book is surprisingly anti-military. Uh, he's very careful about it because obviously he's a conservative dude and you can't say the military is not heroic. But he he's picked specific officers who have said bad things about his soldiers and tries to discredit them. Um, and he regularly talks about how often the U.S. military screws up in jobs that Blackwater is also present at and usually will like – point out how much better the Blackwater contractors Right, performed. right, right. Like, there's a picture in his book. Of, like, I guess at some point, John Kerry and some other congressmen were visiting Afghanistan, and their helicopter was, like, grounded on, like, a fucking mountain peak or some shit. The picture looks like they're on a mountain peak. And they, they got had to get rescued, and the team that came in and got them was Blackwater stuff. And Eric Prince was like, but he thanked U.S. soldiers and not Blackwater oh, okay. contractors. And it's like, well, he was probably thanking the U.S. soldiers who guarded him up on the top of that mountain for hours. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, not the tow truck guys. Not the tow truck <laughs> <Right>. guys. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, uh, so yeah, Prince's book is surprisingly uh, anti-military. He also cites the failure in rebuilding Afghanistan and sort of ignores the fact that that effort to rebuild Afghanistan was mainly carried out by private companies. Yeah, Uh, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. Well, again. Yes. Uh, So here's a quote from his his book on Afghanistan that I I think is, is relevant considering some of his more recent plans for Afghanistan. 
Witness the totally failed economic development of the Afghan economy after nearly 13 years of U.S. Special Forces on the ground. The aid community spent billions in dead-end boondoggles while ignoring the mineral and energy sectors that could make Afghanistan an independent nation instead of a welfare case. Oh, wow. What what do you think about that? I mean, sounds like there was some stuff to pillage. Whoa! You are right on the money today. I mean, that's what that sounded like. He's like, guys, there's just fucking money in the ground. There's a lot of money in the ground in Afghanistan. It would be really great if there was like some sort of outside document that we could look at that would give us a better idea of what Eric really meant when he started bringing up Afghanistan's mineral and energy wealth. Oh hey, there it is, turns right? out it turns out he's been shopping his plan to privatize the war in Afghanistan around DC, and BuzzFeed actually got a copy of the PowerPoint presentation that Eric's using to try and sell his privatize the war in Afghanistan plan, which is doing quite well, isn't it? Probably. From what I, from, probably going to happen. From what I hear in the news constantly, yeah. it's like that's always on the horizon and always being, you know, promoted at least from the Trump administration. We'll talk about that. His uh, his slideshow is titled "An Exit Strategy for Afghanistan: A Test Case for the Strategic Economy of Force." Why don't you just call it "An Exit Plan for Afghanistan"? Just give it to me. Well, there's a reason that he made sure the word "economy" was in there. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, and we're about to get into that. Uh, so, it turns out there's a whole slide on this slideshow. Uh, about the rare earth minerals that are present in the Helmand province. And Eric makes a big point of the fact that there's an estimated $1 trillion in rare earth minerals in the ground in just this one province of Afghanistan. Wasn't there a lot of fighting in the Helmand province? <laughs> oh, you betcha. Like, I yes. feel like that's the one province you would was like repeatedly referred to. I mean, it's possible. Or at least that, at one, one portion of, of There's of debate the between like what the U.S. military says is controlled in Afghanistan and what the Taliban controls there's debate between right. that but they, they probably there's a good chance they control something like 60 percent of the country right now um so anyway yeah that map looks pretty looks pretty juicy it's interesting that he's really specifying how many rare earth minerals are inside Helmand province in this I, I wonder what he intends to do right. with these minerals well in the slideshow uh, he states that he states that under his plan the military effort in Afghanistan will be quote strategic mineral resource extraction funded Prince believes that this will break the, quote, negative security economic cycle of the war in Afghanistan. So, Wow. So we'll <laughs> dig up the rare earth minerals and self-fund while we just destroy the earth there. Yeah. So okay. Eric Prince uh, essentially wants to make Afghanistan, take Afghanistan from an expensive peacekeeping operation by the United States to a profitable rare earth mineral selling corporate endeavor. Uh, there's no talk or hint about how this might make life better for Afghan right. people. He's doing like uh, rich war criminal, poor war criminal, where it's like, it's about passive income, guys. Yeah. A Prince Company spokesperson said to BuzzFeed when they asked them about this, quote, what is laid out in the slides is a model of an affordable way for the U.S. to stabilize a failed state where we are presently wasting American youth and tens of billions of dollars annually. So they're basically climbing onto the fact that pretty much everyone is like, yeah, it's dumb that we're still in Afghanistan. Yeah. Super, we're not. And he's like, sane people are like, it's dumb that we're in Afghanistan. We should leave. He's saying, it's dumb that we're in Afghanistan. You should give it to me so that I can mine it. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's all I'm interested yeah. in. Well, because like, there is one, I can see like on the face of it, right? Because since the Iraq War and Afghanistan, 
like that has just been a money pit that has just been led to the accelerated decline of the American empire, right? Yeah, like it's yeah. sort of these late. It's what Afghanistan does, right. baby. <laughs> but it's like, it, but it follows that trend of like all historical empires. Like yeah. they get into these like glamour wars that end up bankrupting the country or whatever. And more often than not, the war is in Afghanistan. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And then so on one part I go, yeah, well, it is kind of a money pit and that's all money that could have been spent in the U.S. on things yeah. like education. Health care, we but, could really use some bridges. Yeah, right. <laughs> Oh, but you know, let him mine it. Is yeah, let him mine it. Hmm? He's in mining. He can find a guy. Yeah, yeah, he can, he'll yeah, find a guy. He has a fucking navy. Yeah. So he can find, he can <laughs> I'm pretty sure he can handle some mining. Hit up the homies at Rio Tinto. If he can make the sea his mistress. Right. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Um, interestingly enough, uh, Eric Prince's stated inspiration for his fucking sweet idea seems to be the East India Tea Company. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Wall Street Journal let him write an opinion article in May of 2017. The article was titled The MacArthur Model for Afghanistan, but further into the article, he cites our favorite corporation, which if you haven't listened yet, we did an episode on the East India Company. They conquered India in the 1700s and starved 20 or 30 million people to death through negligence. Uh, Yeah, and they also invaded Afghanistan, which is why they went bankrupt. Uh, Interesting stuff. Anyway, here's Eric. An East India Company approach would use cheaper private solutions to fill the gaps that plague the Afghan security forces, including reliable logistics and aviation support. So, (laughs) bold, bold of Eric Prince to directly cite a company that was destroyed conquering Afghanistan. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, maybe maybe it'll be different this (laughs) time. Maybe it'll be different this time. I know that. Okay, wrong example. Uh, Like the Soviet... uh, Hmm. Is there something about Afghanistan that makes powerful, rich white men with armies stupid? I don't like, know. Is there like, a, you a, tell like me. A, a magical effect that it has? I don't I don't know. Because it Do keeps they, happening. <laughs> did they all know? Did the Soviets know the resources that were there back then? I, yeah, but that's not even why they... Like, that, yeah, they but that wasn't the motivation. Yeah. ...to support a government that was right. socialist. Like, so... They lost money there. We lost money there. The British Empire fought three or four wars there yeah. and bled itself dry there. Like, right. Nobody wins in Afghanistan. Afghanistan might just be like where God lives. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it's like, don't come in here, bro. No, this is my house. Yeah, like, watch this. Yeah. Who's next? I'll take all your money. Yeah. Anyway, uh, according to The Atlantic, so Eric hasn't been forthcoming on most of the details of his plan, but according to The Atlantic and some other sources, we know that he wants a viceroy to run the whole operation. He compares this person to a bankruptcy trustee who would have full control over hiring and firing U.S. personnel in country. Mentors would be embedded into Afghan units. These would be men from any country, according to Prince, quote, with a good rugby team. So British, Australians... Any country with a good rugby yeah, team the, the, would that have was team his, captains no, well, or whatever. That, that, he, that's where It'll he'll recruit the, his mercenaries from. To mentors. Yeah. Wait, why Why the rugby? <laughs> that, I don't know. That's weird, right? Yeah, he's like, I love rugby union. Rugby yeah. guys are good at war. Okay, so New Zealand, uh, South yeah. Africa. Oh, New Zealand's super good at war, famously. Yeah. I mean, I think South Africa is probably more. Yeah, South Africa makes more he's sense. Gonna, like he's going to get a lot of South African guys Some in crooks out of there. <laughs> yeah. It's like, but they can also play rugby. Yeah. Uh, now, interestingly enough, Eric Prince also once a composite air wing to help the Afghan Air Force. In other words, this viceroy would have his own private air force working alongside the Holy Afghan shit. Air Force. So with his <laughs> with his proposal, if they were to be like, okay, here are the keys, then they would have they would loosen laws to allow this mm-hmm. viceroy to then of course, finally it's have part of the job. The fucking... He's got to have an air force. Right, right, of course, right. Of course, got to have air superiority. Got And so Eric Prince would mine Afghanistan's minerals and use it to buy himself an air force, which he would then use to bomb the Afghan people. It is, it's like a literal parasitic relationship. <laughs> it's, 
it's in I, I'm honestly he's the most respectable person close in the orbit of the Trump administration right now because you got to give one thing to Eric Prince he is persistent right like he wants an air force and he's really putting right. in the groundwork to do it yeah so like, he's he's just leasing that navy just to get yeah. over the fucking the loss void. of his yeah. air force like, just even though I have that it's about the fucking air force <laughs> it's about having an air force i there's something not respectable but like no, I mean, I guess objective, if you removed all the actual details that made it about yeah. war and killing and things like that, and you're just about one person who has a dream and yeah. the, you know, just whatever he has to to overcome that he's going to do. Yeah, and that's something. That That's all I'll say. That is something. It is something. That is something at the core of his being yeah. that makes him at least interesting. Uh, Although you do have a great Eric Prince is my God t-shirt on right now. I wear that a lot, yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, wasn't going to try and read into different it Different Eric much. Prince. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> He's this guy that lives down the street from me, and I'm trying to... Anyway, let's He's really good for at some rugby. ads. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ads. Yeah. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild mini-games. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. My favorite spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. Wow, how have I been living like this? It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless, when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Wow, how have I been affording this? It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. Say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash behind. That's mintmobile.com slash behind. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash behind. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back. Ah, those were some great ads. Fantastic. The quality products, services, also pretty good. Anyway, <laughs> let's get back to uh, Eric Prince. So yeah, when we last left Eric Prince, he's talking about turning Afghanistan into a rare minerals company uh, right. that he runs via violence Yeah, right. uh, against the Afghan people. So that's fun. Uh, he's not the only guy in D.C. who's shopping around this idea. Steven Feinberg, who runs Cerberus Capital and also the military contractor DynCorp, has been pushing a similar plan around Washington. Uh, Feinberg is a close friend of President Trump. Uh, he was almost given a position overseeing an intelligence review this year, but the intel community recoiled because he has no background in intel or yeah, military. He's like a fucking, he doesn't know anything. Cerberus and fucking, what was the other one? Dino? DynCorp. DynCorp is one of the military contractors that doesn't commit rampant war crimes like oh, Blackwater. Okay. So like, I mean, I'm sure they've got some blood in of, their history, but yeah. they're more respectable than Blackwater, right? <laughs> which is a low bar. <laughs> and then Cerberus. I'm like, oh, yeah, that evokes really cool yeah. imagery. Cerberus Capital sounds like you're the good guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're a fucking mythical dog monster. Yeah. Uh, I do want to praise Eric on something uh, real quickly, which is his his acumen for this. Per- He's the perfect man to take advantage of this time in Republican politics. And my evidence for that is one of the slides in this docket he put together, uh, which, again, is a slideshow that's made for President Trump. In the slideshow, uh, he bills the privatization of the war in Afghanistan as, quote, the Woolman ice rink moment of the Trump administration. That's the name of one of the slides, the Woolman ice rink moment in the Trump administration. Uh-huh. Do you have any idea what that's a reference to? No, but it's probably something very cool. I guarantee you this is one of the only things I could reference that President Trump would know about and you would not. And that's because back in like the 1980s, the Woolman ice rink in New York City stopped making ice. Uh, or in the 70s, I guess. In 1980, the New York Parks Department started working to change that. They spent like six years and $13 million trying to fix this ice rink and basically had to announce at that point that they were going to have to start all over again. And so it was like this big famous story of government incompetence. Right, like, right. They spent millions of dollars. They can't get this ice rink going. So Trump starts publicly saying that he can do the job, like under budget and in less time than anybody else. And typical, everybody assumes typical. he's full of shit. But he gets the job, and he actually does it. Under budget for like three million bucks in in like a quarter of the time. It was people like the one it. fucking time he did it, the the thing that he said he was. Yeah, he 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 did the thing. He got the ice rink working again. It made ice, uh, or he didn't. I mean, he hired the people who did it. But like, when you say made ice, like he, they just couldn't keep the rink at the temperature to keep. Yeah, the ice I don't. I don't know the ex- well, whatever. But, but yeah, this is like one it just of the failed to actually have ice on the rink. <laughs> yeah, which so, is important for an ice. Yeah, rink. Uh, then you have a roller rink. So he managed the project that got it fixed, and he did it under budget. And in anyway, it's a thing Trump talks talked about often on the campaign trail when he was running for president. Um, He's he's smart, right? No, he's saying that, yeah, he's saying that Afghanistan is like that ice rink back in the 1980s. The the government's just not smart enough to fix it. Uh, So he knows how to sell this plan to Donald Trump. Right. Um, And I suspect he'll be successful eventually. I mean, based on everything we read all the time in the news, it just seems like every day or every story that comes out, we inch closer and closer to the privatization of that war. Yeah, which is not the right plan. Just leave. Yeah. Just admit it was a stupid idea. Right. Get the fuck out. Right. Say you're sorry. Offer the government some aid removing all the bombs we dropped. Exactly. Like, just get the fuck out. But that's, we, I think we're probably going to go with Eric's plan. So, 
Let's get back into the book. This was a long digression because he talked about I didn't realize that when this book was published back in like 2014, he already had this plan together. So this has clearly been on Eric's mind for a right. while. It's like his demo tape that yeah. he goes around to shows with. Yeah, and he has a real gift for spinning his career running a mercenary empire into personal heroism. Uh, in the beginning of his like in the beginning of his book, he tries to present himself as a lifetime servant of both his country and, of course, of God. Uh, he says, "Since I first enrolled in the Naval Academy after high school, my life's mission has been to serve God, serve my family, and serve the United States with honor and integrity. I did it first as a midshipman, then as a SEAL. Then, when personal tragedy called me home from the service as a contractor, providing solutions for some of the thorniest problems on earth, the business of war has never been pretty. But I did my job legally, and I did it completely." Too well, perhaps. Growing Blackwater until it became something resembling its own branch of the military and other government agencies. It's like he's <laughs> winking the whole time. And, he says it, and I did it legally. Wink. So we're going to have another digression now because I couldn't let the sentence too well, perhaps. Yeah, too go. well. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I was worried when I started doing this because I was like, we talked about a lot of Blackwater's horrible negligence and the deaths associated with it right. last episode. And I was like, am I going to be able to find more examples of that for this episode without repeating myself? Turns out it just took about a second on Google because I just typed in a couple of key phrases and I found a 2005 Washington Post article about a plane crash. Uh, of a, pl- a crash of a plane in Afghanistan piloted by a firm that was a part of Blackwater, essentially, one of Eric Prince's aviation firms, killing all six on board. Uh, so the first Army report, which was released two weeks later, said that the plane, which again is essentially a Blackwater plane, was in violation of numerous government regulations and contract requirements. Uh, so basically they were breaking a bunch of rules. Now, Presidential Airways, which is the company that Prince owned under one of these big umbrella things, right? Mm -hmm. He's got all these fuck. But anyway, Presidential Airways was essentially accused of pairing pilots and co-pilots who both didn't have any experience flying in Afghanistan and then not training them properly for flying in Afghanistan and then not supplying them with communications equipment that they needed to properly fly in Afghanistan. So two of their guys and I think four U.S. soldiers got killed in this crash. Uh, And so the family sued Eric Prince. And Eric Prince gets sued by families quite a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's like that's, that's my middle name. Eric get, getting sued, sued by, by families. By Prince. families, oh you're God. you're almost always the bad guy if whole families are suing yeah. you. Well, and also when your negligence is that like acutely criminal. Yeah, you know. So an attorney for the families accused uh, them of presidential airways of cutting corners. Uh, if they're going to outsource to corporations services like flying personnel around Afghanistan, they must do it with corporations that put the safety of our men and women in uniform ahead of corporate profits. Sadly, that wasn't done here. Seems like a reasonable statement. Uh, Presidential Airways followed with a common Eric Prince tactic, calling the Army lazy and incompetent. One of Prince's representatives said, in essence, that the Army review that made them look at fault had been slapdash and was filled with errors. Everyone would need to wait until the National Safety Board report came out to really know what had gone wrong and if Presidential Airways had done anything wrong. Uh, So now I'm going to read a fun-related excerpt from Jeremy Scahill's book, Blackwater. In 2006, nearly two years after the Army investigators concluded their report, the National Transportation Safety Board issued a report of its own. The NTSB concluded that Blackwater's pilots were, quote, behaving unprofessionally and were deliberately flying the non-standard route low through the valley for fun. Oh, (laughs) Yo, the fucking party gang comes back. <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's the same thing. They're just dumb fucking party boys getting what people the killed. Fuck. Mm-hmm. I, that, I guess that is the one consistent, like, with the culture of that company. It's just yeah. sort of like, 
Yeah, and also just fuck around with whatever you want. It doesn't matter. It's guys who got frustrated at all the rules the Army has, some of which are dumb. You talk to anyone who served in the Army, and they'll be able to point out dumb things the Army makes you do. Right. But also, part of the reason the Army has so many dumb rules is so that people don't go joyriding planes through valleys and killing six people. Expensive hardware. and what's what's usually the background of a lot of the guys who end up in Blackwater? Are they retired? Are they like discharged? Like how they're, they're usually on, people who got honorably discharged. I mean, it's people who a lot of people who were in special forces and then were like, I want to get paid. Which oh, so then yeah. they, they kind of leave. Yeah, yeah, they leave. Like, like, Wait, there's a better check, right? So, but yeah. it's usually people who are like. Seeing the checks that they're cutting over there, and they're yeah, because like, they'll have a buddy who was with in right. the service and then got out a year or two ago, and then he's like, "I made three hundred thousand dollars in Iraq last right. year, and we're doing the same shit." Right, yeah. and he's like, "And we play this game with this fucking plane where we a guy get drunk puts on a the fucking, puts a bottle on his head, <laughs> and we try and just knock it off in the valley." <laughs> Some guys died last week, yeah. but it's still fun. <laughs> Whatever, dude. They didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. As you might have noticed from earlier on, Prince has a real bug up his ass about Blackwater not getting what he's seen as what he sees as the proper recognition that it's owed. He had a, a statement in his book that I found kind of funny. Uh, government agencies don't want that spotlight being shown on our work, nor to applaud the greatest advantage Blackwater offered them, increased capability. They only wanted increased deniability. Mm. Which is funny, because that's the only reason why his company couldn't be fired from the war, is because right. they needed deniable assets. Right. Yeah. Anyway, that Eric Prince doesn't like being a deniable asset and well, has never not been in the business of providing them. Right. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah, that must frustrate him when he wants to be the star and he's like, I'm made to be the scapegoat. Yeah, man, that's what you're doing. Yeah. That's your job. Exactly. Your job is getting... to provide the soldiers that the government doesn't have to report to anyone have right. died. And you're wasting <laughs> life and money at the yeah. same time. Like That's your whole the whole reason you're a billionaire, other than the fact that your dad was. Right. Yeah. Uh, step so, one to being a billionaire. Step one to being a billionaire. Rich dad. Is Almost your dad 100% a billionaire? of the time. Yeah. No? Mm-hmm. Move on to square <laughs> Z, where you die poor. Yeah. <laughs> where you die poor because you don't have enough, you can't afford insulin. Yeah, you keep right, The price exactly. of insulin. Oh, it's surging. like Oregon Trail. You broke your leg and you died. <laughs> and you died. But Eric Prince gets a Navy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Fun world. Fun, fun world. So Prince says in his book, quote, the true history of Blackwater is exhilarating, rewarding, exasperating, and tragic. Don't disagree with that. It's the story of men taking bullets to protect the men who take all the credit, a tale of patriots whose names became known only when lawyers and politicians needed to blame somebody for something. Which, again, is funny because Eric is the epitome of the guy who takes all of the credit while other people get shot at. He's never taken a bullet in his life. He's like his only job has... It's basically his only job since he was 30 has been having other people fight right. for money that he pays them. Right. Yeah, like he's always taking uh, the credit. And I love that, I, like his like scorned attitude. Yeah. Sort of, like he sounds like Ed Harris in The Rock, like General Hummel. Yeah. He's like, they don't, they don't respect us. You just assume General Hummel saw some shit. Well, and he yeah. did. Yeah, and he did. At the very and least. What, Bosnia, something like that? Uh, wherever it was, I forget. I forget. Which All war. I can think of his wife's tombstone that literally just said, his wife, <laughs> next to it. It's like, wow, way to give her an identity. Barbara! One of the remarkable things about that to me is it was one of those few movies made in that era where if you needed to have a military character who'd seen some combat, you had to really stretch to figure out where they could have been. Right, it's like Grenada? Grenada (laughs) or Bosnia, like those two. Right, right, right. (laughs) Now it's like... It's like, take your fucking pick. We're at war in like 30 countries. Well, at least the ones we acknowledge, (laughs) you know what I mean? No one's going to be there and be like, oh, Niger. It's like, ooh, that's a a (laughs) movie 10 years (laughs) from now. Ixnay on the Idrinay. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, at this point in Eric Prince's book, we're just now through the introduction. 
Um, so chapter one opens with Eric claiming to have saved several women from a boat explosion when he was 13. Wait, what the fuck? <laughs> I love how like the intro just like, man, we were spit on, disrespected. We were the ones doing the real, we're the real patriots. Chapter one, I'm fucking call out. I saved some ladies when a yeah. boat blew up. Yeah. Wow. And he specifically notes at the end of this anecdote, I never did learn their names or what became of them. Ah, it's a shame. Oh, because you're like fucking Spider-Man? You just no, fucking it's, come it's, through, you yeah. save people, like, sorry, I got to keep this moving. It's a lie. Yeah. It's a lie. Is there a detail of what exactly happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He taught, like, the, these ladies, they did something bad to their boat, and its engine exploded, and they, like, jumped in the water, and he and his friend fished them out of the water and drove them to shore, and then there was an ambulance waiting to take them away or something. Which, maybe a boat exploded. I, I feel like... At least a big part of that story is bullshit. Yeah, I have, I, you know, not. I can see that there were probably people who, I think a better version is maybe some women who were stranded, maybe their boat ran out of gas or something. Something. They like needed that. a ride to shore. Mm-hmm. He provided it. If you were in a boat explosion uh, in somewhere time in the 80s and Eric Prince rescued you and you're now a listener of this podcast, drop, drop us a line on Twitter at, at @bastardspod. Yeah. Let us know what yeah. really happened. Let us know what really happened that day. It uh, turns out it was his boat that exploded and the women saved him. <laughs> so, oh, that story's completely reversed. Yeah. Man, I Whatever. If if he saves some ladies on a boat and they reach out, I'll I'll make a whole apology track for Eric. Oh Prince yeah, and the yeah, ladies yeah. he saved from Send the exploding some boat. Anyway, Prince moves on to talk a little bit about his family history. Uh, he uses the story of his grandfather's untimely death as a justification for why welfare is bad. Uh, well, quote: <laughs> When Peter died suddenly of a heart attack in 1943, my grandmother sought no government handouts, no charity from the church, not even money from family. Edgar, who had two sisters, his dad, was the man of the house now. He would provide for them. He was 12. Wait. <laughs> I, I, wait. I'm, I'm failing to... He, what is he trying to say? That I mean, How he, is he trying to connect welfare to... He's trying to talk about how awesome his family is by pointing out that... Oh, he his, just... Oh, right. He's like, his dude, grandma didn't take a fucking penny. penny. My grandma wouldn't take any money. She just made my 12-year-old grandf- uh, dad, dad work. Yeah. yeah. Now he's the How man. cool is my family? Well, you're the man now, dog. Sounds like your family's kind of abusive, Eric. Yeah. Or, <laughs> Sounds oof. like she should have sought for some welfare so her 12-year-old yeah. could finish grade school. I mean, unless that's a lie, too. Yeah, unless that's you know? a lie, too. Who knows? Could you Who imagine knows? like her grandma was like the OG welfare queen? The mystical welfare <laughs> She's queen. rolling around yeah. in a Bentley. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's how my dad became a billionaire. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, Eric portrays that as awesome. Uh, it's worth noting that his dad didn't seem to view this as a good thing, because uh, he notes later in the book, quote, Dad didn't let me hold a job during high school. Unlike his hard scrabble youth, he wanted me to enjoy those years. So oh. ups to Eric Prince's dad. He yeah. broke a cycle. Exactly, right. I mean, didn't turn out with a great kid, but... No, no. <laughs> yeah. They're achieving. I do feel like something. Eric missed maybe that lesson. Oh, which absolutely. was children ought not to work. Yeah, but yeah. Who knows? Maybe that wasn't his dad's lesson. I don't know the guy. Uh, I bet you're wondering about Betsy DeVos, Eric yes. Prince's sister. He only mentions his sister by name once in his oh, entire I autobiography. Say, I was hoping you're going to be like, not one mention at all. No. Goes, and I have a sister. He mentions her once to talk about the guy she married. Wow. <laughs> So she only comes up in the context of her yeah, husband? Yeah, yeah, Of course. Typical. I think the, my sister is referenced a couple of times, but Betsy DeVos is only named once as he's introducing her husband. Is she his only sister? I think so. Okay. that's Maybe so f- not. I'm not going to look So why, why is he creaming his jeans for Mr. DeVos? Oh, I just because he's a super rich guy. Right. I, I don't remember the exact context the of dad, it. Right? But the I, dad I, of yeah. the family died he, recently. Yeah, they only... 
Oh, yeah, good, good, because he's the founder of Amway. Yeah. Yeah. He used to own the Orlando Magic. He has three sisters. So the other times when he's referring to a sister, who knows? Who knows? Who Doesn't matter. About. There's uh, Betsy and then the fucking other ones. <laughs> fucking other fuck. ones. I didn't even check on the others, yeah. but he mentions Betsy DeVos once. Right. He's like, but hey, Betsy, the best one because she married had a, a rich marry. guy. Right. <laughs> she married for fucking. I mean, they were already rich. Uh, he doesn't give us much detail at all about his childhood. But if you're game, I did find one anecdote that I want to kind of go down a conspiracy rabbit hole. Oh, about. Okay. Okay. It's Eric's description of his favorite childhood hobby. Quote, the first group of soldiers I ever assembled was made of solid lead, two inches high, standing in neat rows on my bedroom windowsill. There were hundreds of them, painted to match their real-life British, French, and Continental Army counterparts. I created them from molds I got on trips abroad, and 40 pounds of lead Dad and I melted down in a cast-iron plumber's pot. Wow. He's so, a little, like, war miniatures. I, in fairness, hobby, Eric, dude? this makes—I did. that's exactly what I did when I was yeah. a kid. I played fucking, like, Warhammer and other— st- I spent my oh, whole yeah, childhood conquer, building— and, like, But specifically building models. Oh, that was I, my whole childhood. I had a set of, uh, like, Civil War dudes, and I remember I, I went as far as buying, like, the— fake grass to put like to create like a battlefield scene and like Mm -hmm. fake trees and i remember when i realized like because i remember as a kid like regular toys weren't quite scratching that itch of like what like you know the like military should look like so i was like oh you know what i'm gonna do this it was too much work though so i commend you for even being a hobby yeah toy man that's what i did as a child and i remember it's like the most poison you can expose your health to as a right. little kid because your hands are always covered in paints and God knows what's in them right. and like this fucking cyanoacrylic glue. I was always pulling it off of my fingers right. and stuff. But in Eric's case, he was melting lead. Right. What? And I don't know how much lead exposure you get doing that thing, but we do have a lot of documentation on why lead exposure is really bad for children. I'm going to cite from a study made by the College of Family Physicians in Canada. Lead is a developmental neurotoxin. Children are most commonly exposed and they are most vulnerable. Lead exposure has been associated with many cognitive and motor deficits, as well as distractibility and other characteristics of attention deficit hyperactive disorder. Although children's blood lead levels have declined considerably over the past three decades with removal of lead from gasoline and paint, children can still be exposed to lead from lead paint in older homes, toys, and other sources. Because post-exposure treatment cannot reverse the cognitive effects effects of lead exposure, preventing lead exposure is essential. One of the things lead exposure is most tied to is violence, violent really? crime, lead exposure. It's We've seen crime drop for most of the last 30 years, and one of the major theories behind it is that we got lead out of everything. And right. so people aren't being born exposed to lead because we know that it's one of the biggest correlators with violent crime. Does that align with like uh, the women's ability to have an abortion too? Because I know that's another one like people yeah, would like there, to throw a, around a as bunch if of that theories. was another a bunch factor of too that people have control a, over that. Yeah, right. it's certainly a mix of things. But wow. it's very credible that— Wait, but how do you fucking make your own lead? It's like a smelting? They just bought a shitload of lead and melted it in a pot. How do you—wait, so I don't, I've never had the— the privilege well, to now, melt my own it, lead down, but what do you do? You just put a fucking. I don't know. I never did that in? either because by the time I was collecting model soldiers, they were made out of plastic because they realized right. you shouldn't expose children or to like lead. Or like cast iron. Like but it were... sounds like he was getting blocks of lead and melting it and pouring it into his own molds. Yeah. So he was. Without d- any prior respiratory in, equipment. And exposing right. himself to lead fumes and everything. And I found a study in South Africa that correlates lead exposure to interest in firearms because they found that competitive shooters had higher aggression and much higher blood lead levels than competitive archers, which is an interesting group to compare it to. Right. Yeah. So. Oh. 
This what is just a theory. But that's amazing too, because like, right? The, like lead bullets too. Yeah. Like the yeah. bullet in lead. It's like well, a feedback loop. Or you're, you're not how going often to, can you get I, lead bullets? I've been a shooter most of my life too, and you, 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 number one, most of the bullets you're going to buy don't have exposed lead on them. Some of them do, but it's usually jacketed right. or something. And number two, you're not getting a lot of lead exposure shooting because right, you're right, right. firing. But I imagine range. like how often, like how often has the like the actual rounds themselves been protected from for people from the lead itself? Oh, not uh, not very long. In fact, if you're looking at like the the Continental times, the 1800s or whatnot, people are probably melting a lot of their own balls. Right, and right, stuff. right. So yeah, or making it with pewter. Or whatever. Obvious, like it's definitely. Definitely fed into violence throughout centuries right, because right. we've been putting a lot of lead everywhere. I just think it's interesting that Eric Prince, we see in his childhood both this joy of making soldiers and also maybe the lead exposure that's of, led him to be such a fucking violent Like creep. literally making soldiers out of the thing that would that leads to like <laughs> additional violent tendencies. In it's almost poetic. Yeah. Speaking of poetic, these ads are poems oh. for your wallet. Oh. Yeah. Go on. I, here we go. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild mini games. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And we're back. And I'm, uh, I'm going to do a free ad right now. One of these great unpaid ads, which are such a smart thing to do. I'm eating some Tapatio Doritos. And folks... Oh, they've appeared. Oh, they're so good. I don't like... I'm going to try one. I can't stand Flaming Hot Cheetos. I, what? I like I like spicy stuff in general, but not spicy chips. I, I've had... I, I hate spicy chips as a general rule. Tapatio Doritos are fucking phenomenal. These are just delightful. 
little ASMR for you folks at home. Mm. Oh, my God. Have you seen the video of the girl who takes a bite of the chip and her eyes roll back in her head? There was like an old vine. And she's like, <laughs> it's amazing. That's how. Imagine this when you hear this, folks. His eyes are rolling back mm. into his head. We just saw Miles's D face. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's actually yeah my Dorito face. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dorito face. Ooh, there ah, we go. There See? we go. There we go. See I knew now we'd you gave a free it. ad yeah. campaign. Yeah, come on, Doritos. <laughs> Doritos, y'all are. I'm not even gonna use profanity. You guys are messing. You're messing up. And you're missing let's, a massive opportunity. Let's be more productive. If everybody could get on the same hashtag and, and in the same tweet send out say, Doritos not, hashtag Doritos not dictators and hashtag Doritos because you've got to tag or uh, at Doritos. you got to tag Doritos in it. And mm-hmm. you got to do hashtag Doritos not dictators. If everybody does that when this episode drops, maybe or, we'll get a sponsorship and I'll get paid No, you know what you my... do? Everybody po- takes a photo with Doritos and use those hashtags and you do hashtag why I eat Doritos. Oh, oh. So they see that, and they're like, well, I mean, for somehow this guy has mobilized an army of Doritos eaters. You're like the Eric Prince of Doritos I, that, consumers. That has always been my dream. Right. I was going to say. Eric Prince of Doritos. And you getting a Doritos sponsorship is your Air Force. Because I want Doritos <laughs> to pay me to mine Doritos right. for a, more comedy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Wow. What a beautiful. Well, now I'm seeing a conspiracy here. Mm-hmm. You heard it here first. This is conspiracy has been going on since the show began. Yeah. Yeah. I've been consistent. I mean, it is a sincere brand loyalty. It is a sincere, because I love me some Doritos. Yeah. Oh, they're good. I'm going to try these Tapatito Doritos and cook in some Migas and see how that shit works out. Ooh. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm excited for that. almost seems sacrilegious, but a little Migas. It is sacrilegious. They're they're bullshit Migas, but they're delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. For the gabachos out there, yeah. Yeah. I'm the gabachist. (laughs) 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 Oh, that actually does make me want gazpacho, though. (laughs) Just because the names are kind of, yeah. oh, I could go for some of that. You make, a, you make soup. a good gazpacho? No, but I have a friend who makes a really good gazpacho. Oh. I go camping with her every now and then, and it's the fucking best thing. And I only do it for the gazpacho. Yeah. yeah. Fuck You're like, woods. hey, you bring in the gazpacho? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, back to Eric Prince. So Eric portrays himself in his childhood as a quiet, boring kid. I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. Being an athlete gave me a social network, yet I didn't have many close friends growing up. Maybe it's because you're a sociopath. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> From the little information we have about his school years, he sounds absolutely insufferable. He portrays himself as the living embodiment of one of those Marine with an atheist professor in a college class memes that circulates around the internet. You know the kind? Wait, what? Have you ever, you've run into one of those, like, now it's gone around where most of the memes are mocking the original, but there would be like this email forward or whatever kind of story that your conservative relatives would send you. And it's about like a college professor talks about how there is no God and Marine stands up and gives a speech about how he saw God on the battlefield. Oh, okay. Yeah, One of those kind of stories. Right, right, right. Eric tells his version of that in this autobiography. Oh, okay. This is while he's in high school. Once in class, I challenged a teacher who called then-President Ronald Reagan's Cold War military buildup a waste of taxpayer dollars. I countered by rattling off every strategic defense initiative weapon system we needed to counter various Soviet threats. I'd analyzed Reagan's Star Wars the way my classmates picked apart the University of Michigan's football roster. Okay. Now, what's really fun about this to me is that it illustrates how bad Eric Prince is at admitting when he's wrong, because by the time Eric was 18, we knew that almost none of the weapons systems that had been talked about for the Strategic Defense Initiative were ever going to work. Right. Uh, and the the few that would, the directed energy weapons that actually did have some potential, in 1987, when Eric was 18, a government report was released saying that essentially 
these weapons would need to become between 100 and 1 million times more powerful and more energy efficient in order to have a chance at working. Wow. So, the, Does it, the railgun count as one of those things? I don't think that started out as STI. Okay. I, I don't... It just work. Like, that's a futuristic yeah. weapon yeah. that I've always been obsessed with, and now I've seen that the no, Chinese those, have been able to those miniaturize totally it. Totally work. Like, well, yeah, we, we've got those too. Like, right, those but are cool. But I feel as like, hell. is it? Do you see the thing with the Chinese Navy? Like, they've really figured out the railgun, though, and it, like they've they're it loading scary. them up. Scary. Yeah, <laughs> it looks scary. Uh, I want one. Oh yeah, oh, ever sure. since Eraser. Well, and I feel like the only thing that stops a bad guy with a railgun. Is, is a, a good, good guy, guy and that's real the gun. real. That's really the message of a racer. It is right. Yeah, which is a good great ad film. for railguns. Yeah, yeah. But will they ever be that small? If Big Railgun wants to get in on <laughs> yeah. a sponsorship deal, I'll I'll talk railguns all day. That's what uh, the R in the NRA is going to be changed to. <laughs> Railgun <Yeah. laughs> Association. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, like nearly all people born into incredible wealth, Eric has managed to convince himself that he never got any handouts. Quote, after the heart attack, my father, his dad had a heart attack, but he survived the first one. My father was generous with his time, but never with handouts. He didn't want me relying on the family business. He made it clear that I'd been given every advantage in life and that I had no excuse for not making something of myself. Independently, I would not be working for Prince Corporation after college. He said, I would receive no trust fund. I had to make it on my own. So. Now, do we know, can we, do we know how true that is? Well, he didn't go straight to work for Prince Corporation. Right, right that after, part. Right was there no trust school. fund? Was there no inherited wealth? Oh, yeah, there was. <laughs> uh, because after his dad dies a few pages later in the book, uh, Eric writes this, just over a year after my father's death, my mother's sisters and I sold the Prince Automotive unit to Milwaukee-based Johnson Controls Inc. for $1.35 billion, which was split, split between a number of dad's business partners, employee stockholders, and my mother's sisters and me. Now, he puts himself last right. in both of those lists, very yeah. deliberately. I'm going to guess he might have gotten more money than uh, his dad's employees, stockholders, oh, yeah. probably. Yeah. Well, I like also the idea that his sister's got a bitter, bigger <laughs> yeah, cut, yeah. and that's like dope. Like that's his pain. Like with Betsy, he's like, "Fuck, she got such a she got a big." I hope so. Me. I hope his dad hated him and cut him out of. But if, clearly like, not enough. It depends he on was yeah. Born, he still we don't got know how true it is, right? Because if if his dad was that actually that much of a hard ass, he's like, "Dude, don't expect to fucking work here. You've been been given everything." Yeah, there is a version we see that. I doubt that though. Yeah, I, we know he got conservatively a few hundred million dollars. Right, and yeah. also people who have grown up with privilege. I mean, if you if you want to live in denial about that, that is usually the first thing you say is like, Dude, okay, I know I may come from this family. I didn't get a fucking thing though. Yeah, like, and but we also know that like when he became a Navy SEAL, like the when he was going for like the office, the OCS class, mm-hmm. that like he had to, or one of the classes he had, Officer one of the things he had to school. do before he became a Navy SEAL, the class was full uh-huh. and his dad pulled some strings to get him in at the last moment. Yeah. So like that I'm ge- I'm going to bet that happened to help get him into the Air Force Academy too. Sure, like sure. yeah. Uh anyway, yeah, you you'll remember Eric went for to the uh the academy for a hot minute. At least one instructor thinks he left because it wasn't conservative enough, but in Eric's book he blames something else, the movie Top Gun. It wasn't long before I realized the Academy wasn't the right fit. It was just after Top Gun had come out, and the environment was an uncomfortable mix of tailhook-era frat boys on one hand and a nonsensical policing of political correctness on the other. I felt as if I was expected to learn from graduate student instructors who knew little more than the fact that they'd been there longer than I had. I quickly began to wonder whether the Academy created great leaders or if great leaders just enrolled there, endured it, and made it out on the other side. Eric did not endure it. He quit after, you yeah. know, like a, a year, I that guess. That sounds like some real that. college dropout shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he opted instead for Hillsdale. Uh, he said remembers liking it because everyone there was the same kind of libertarian he was and because they were all rich kids, too. Right. 
Uh, he does probably note, less diverse than the Air Force. He does note proudly that uh, the college offered him a full scholarship. I'm going to guess because his dad had been giving them some money, uh, but that he we turned it down, and his dad said, "Leave it for someone who needs the money." And he, he portrays this as, like, a good thing that he did rather than, like, no, of course, if your dad is a billionaire, you don't take yeah. a free ride to college. Yeah, you fucking That's idiot. the human thing to do. Right. Like, <laughs> Way to pat yourself on the back for the bare minimum. Yeah. yeah. The, and, he, yeah, I could have bought the school, the, but I didn't take That could almost be the title for this autobiography. Like, I think the working title for the episode is Eric Prince accidentally wrote a book about why he sucks. Right. Uh, but I, the title for this book might as well be Eric Prince does the minimum and pretends that and he's here. And congratulates himself. <laughs> it's, it's spectacular. So, yeah, he tells stories like how when he was working as a volunteer firefighter, they thought he was just some rich kid at first, but then he kept showing up early and doing a real good job of cleaning and he earned their respect. (laughs) It's like he's rewriting the script of his life. Again, if you worked in that firehouse and have anything to say about Eric Prince, positive or negative, drop us a line. I'd love to hear from you. He waited. Uh, I can read you the quote. Yeah. Yeah. Now, most Hillsdale students came from money. The butchers, painters, what do you mean, and sl- mo- He says it as if he's about to say he didn't come from... Now, most of them came from money. Yeah. Not me. <laughs> the butchers, painters, and slaughterhouse workers who volunteered or worked at the firehouse initially figured me for a snot-nosed college kid. But I showed up at the firehouse early to change the blades on the K-12 rescue saws, and I stayed late to clean the pumps. I handled the heavy canvas hoses and carried the ladders. After a call, when the other volunteers sat back and cracked open a drink, I rolled the hoses gradually iron their respect <laughs> it also sound like the equipment manager on a basketball team yeah, who sucks yeah. and the guys who are doing the real work are like yeah why don't you just fucking do that and that is my suspicion is right. that maybe he didn't actually maybe on when there was a call he was never called out because they're like no that's the fucking that kid you don't want that kid in a dangerous yeah, situation at your back and we there's hints of that in his navy seals experience too so we'll uh. get to that whenever eric is involved in anything sort of cool personally right. he writes about it at length like, he repeatedly mentions when Blackwater first showed up in Afghanistan, he was there, and he actually did guard duty some st- times. Cause okay. they were so, so he he did guard duty in Afghanistan. Nothing ever happened, right. but he did in it. In the green he, zone. He talks about it repeatedly. Right. That, like, yeah, and I was there in Afghanistan doing guard duty. Right. Like, so when anything is that close to being cool, yeah, yeah, he yeah. talks about it at length. I'm going to guess he didn't do anything cool as a firefighter. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm being an asshole here. Uh, He's like, I was the first one to to discover the backdraft phenomenon. (laughs) It was around this time that Eric made the first political donation of his life, which we talked about in the first episode, Mm -hmm. the $15,000 he gave to the Republican Party. Uh, Now, in that episode, we speculated that this may have been an attempt by his parents to max out their political donations using their kids as funnels. According to Eric... That's not true. So he says that the money was his own, and it came from, quote, investment income from stocks my parents had long ago bought for me. Okay, so he didn't way, take any handouts, yeah. but his parents gave him enough stocks that he was able to donate fifteen thousand dollars to the Republican income. Party at yeah. age nineteen. I doubt that. No, nineteen. <laughs> Just be real. That's how these wealthy, and I'm sure I'm pretty sure we talked about that. That's like the standard tactic for wealthy yeah. people of just giving as much money. It's like, well, let me max out, make my dog a max out. Well, donor. it's like if you're if you're if you're born rich and you're listening to the show, I'm sure someone is. Like, fine. Just own it. Just be like, yeah, I'm a millionaire because my parents are rich. Like, okay. Yeah. Just j- don't lie about it. Don't be but like think, President yeah. Trump and be like, we got a small loan from my dad that was millions of dollars. And <laughs> right. Like, yeah, you guys, you had it easier because you were rich. Yeah. 
Accept that's it. fine. There's like, a, you know, that's the way you didn't ask to be born rich. No, you just were. So no, just it's like, be I can be like, yeah, be grateful and honest. I have it a lot easier because I've never had to deal with like a major chronic illness. Right. That exactly. Makes my life easier. We than all someone have who privilege. Has. We all have way. privilege. Just own it. Don't be a dick about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Eric Prince. Okay. So yeah, uh, you'll remember that after college, Eric wound up briefly interning for the George H. W. Bush White House. Uh, you'll recall that he wasn't happy there. Uh, he admits in his book that he didn't like the fact that uh, President Bush was bargaining with people who wanted to weaken, weaken the safety, sanctity of marriage, raise taxes, uh, and push environmental policies. So, yeah. Push uh, environmental policies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he admits that he got chewed out by the deputy chief of staff, Andrew Card, because he wouldn't shut up about his thoughts on how the president ought to do things while he was an intern in the White House, which sounds like what would happen right. if you're being an insufferable dick. After five months, his internship was not renewed. Of course. Of course not. And that, that that brings you back to even the firehouse thing. He was like, actually, you guys should probably be cleaning it like this. Like, shut the fuck up, Eric. Yeah, and he's like, fine, I'll do, do it. do it. Clean boy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you I'll do, do it, it, Eric. Fine. Let's all have beers since we just pulled people out of a fire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, well, I'm going to switch the K-12 blades <laughs> off the saws, whatever. <laughs> Nobody else is cool enough to right, do this. We haven't like, used that saw in four years, yeah. Eric. Probably the blade's fine. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Saw blades. I'm sorry, well, firefighter. Yeah. Anyway, so you probably remember also that Eric Prince became a Navy SEAL next, uh, mm-hmm. using a family connection to get into the school. Uh, but Prince did pass Hell Week on his own merits, and that's impressive. Uh, and when he got back from becoming a Navy SEAL, this happened. My parents sent me an extraordinary gift, a bronze statue of a cowboy. The artist had inscribed, in the unwritten laws of the range, the work ethic still exists. When you sign for an outfit, you ride for their brand. True commitment takes no easy way out. Now, I think Eric mentioned this because he likes to see himself as a cowboy and, like, right. he and his contractors as cowboys. I can't imagine a, a quote that does a worse job of describing Eric Prince's yeah. worth, work ethic than that. Because every time he makes a commitment, he weasels out of it. Every right. single time. That's the one thing that is 100% true right. with Eric Prince. And I think that's the case with most people who are very insecure with their identity, right? Like, they try and project something <laughs> that is the complete opposite of their own their truth as a person. Yeah. Right? So if you're a cowardly, sniveling little brat, you're going to act like the upstanding guy who, like, yeah. hey, first guy into you're work, last one You're going to ride for a brand, you ride for that brand. That's right. Unless it gets hard, then you leave because you had a disagreement. Unless it gets hard, in which case that brand was cheating and there was no point in committing to that brand to begin with. Oh, Eric. Uh, Yeah. So Eric was a Navy SEAL for about two years. Uh, Now, it costs, it's hard to say, probably somewhere around 300000 to a half a million dollars just to train a Navy SEAL and as much as a million dollars a year to keep that SEAL, you know, active and and trained up in the field while they're an active duty Navy SEAL. Uh, I'm going to guess that the government did not get its money's use out of Eric's brief stint in the Navy SEALs. You're supposed to do that job more than two years if you commit to it. Uh, He says remarkably little about his time doing one of the coolest jobs in existence. I'm going to guess that's because he didn't do very much. There is one telling paragraph where Eric writes about his experience during the Yugoslavian Civil War. In it, he cleverly obscures the fact that he didn't experience any actual combat or real danger during his time there. I'm read you this yeah, quote. I was just about to ask. I'm like, what, what, what kind of action did he actually I think you'll pick up on it. Right. Then, in late 1995, as Yugoslavia broke apart in the warring states, SEAL Team 8 deployed to Bosnia-Herzegovina. The shattered buildings and war-torn streets were a far cry from the peaceful communities I'd once seen there with my wife. We SEALs were performing combat search and rescue for downed pilots or taking direct action against radar sites. 
Not me, Eric Prince. Yeah. We seals. We seals. We seals. Yeah. <laughs> it's odd that he's able to be somewhat truthful in those instances, right? Because like it seems like he'll embellish anything. Because there's guys who serve yeah, who with him that would that be up. like Eric Prince lied about it's his It's like service. the once third rail. Yeah. Uh, now, where, Again, is the, where are those seals? If you were a Navy SEAL in Yugoslavia and you served with Eric Prince and I got it wrong yeah. or I got it right. Do we know his know. buds class? I'm sure we could find that yeah. out. Yeah. Through a FAO, be possible. FOI, FOIA. I don't know if that's or you can probably just inqu- or I think you can just inquire, right? It's just public knowledge because yeah. they don't keep it secret who a Navy right, SEAL right. is. Right, right. Yeah, that's Or we should call, uh, what's that guy who does like the SEAL Stolen Valor stuff? Don, what's his face? Don Shipley. Oh, yeah. The guy who's like the fucking that OG SEAL hunter be like, hey, can you find his buds I class? mean, he was definitely a SEAL. No, and of course. He's not. But he's, you want to hear. I do want to hear what, what his time those guys who are probably like, like, dude, I was a SEAL for 15 years. Mm-hmm. This guy quit after two years. I would like to see what his time as a SEAL was like. Uh, because, again, every time he does something, he's directly involved in something cool. He talks about right, it. Right, right. And he just, he he weasels again here. Well, see, that's, I, then you kind of see the part where he is intelligent enough to know how far he can stretch mm-hmm. the truth. Because he's like, well, there are people who are going to be able to corroborate yeah, or it, basically debunk what I say. So let me just say, I was... I was in the SEALs during that time, and, yeah. they, and that's what we SEALs Well, I did. was with the SEALs team, and members of this team right. did, did the, that we stuff. We SEALs did actually. I was on like timeout this. because I stole a helicopter and tried to race it. <laughs> Who knows what his, what his situation was. Eric's time as a Navy SEAL was cut short. He says it's because his wife got cancer at age 29, oh. and he needed to take care of her and his children. And if you were a normal dude, of course that would be a good reason yeah, to stop being a 100%. Navy SEAL. 100%. Of course, of course. Uh, and he says, my being gone was suddenly impossible. I requested my discharge from the Navy. Uh, now, here's the thing. Oh, no. Here's the thing. Oh, you, dig something up? Do you dig something up there? Uh, well, it's just that uh, almost as soon as he gets home from being a Navy SEAL, he starts Blackwater, and he's spending weekends and weeks away from his wife and children. <laughs> right. <laughs> hiking in the woods and shooting snakes oh, and Jesus. getting the, the land ready for this thing. Uh, I don't know exactly how long he wait, but he waited, but uh, yeah, he. Well, you know, it's it's. It's hard to speculate on that, but it doesn't seem like. And it, did his wife survive? No. Oh uh, no. So yeah, it, it, we're gonna get into how he talks about his wife and some other stuff here. Um, so at one point he mentions that he and his wife gave half a million dollars to a clinic in Prague so they could fund experimental treatments to okay. try on his wife. Uh, in in that par- passage, he praises his wife's courage and then says. And through it all, she seemed more concerned about my loss, my impending grief, than her own death. Remember, Eric, you can live without me, she would say, but you can't live without God. Now, Eric starts Blackwater, yeah, as I said, soon after leaving the SEALs and is spending a shitload of time there. And after 2001, his business ramps up. Uh, he starts spending less and less time at home, even though that's why he left the Navy. By 2000... Hmm? Wait, so he left the SEALs in what, like 97, 99, 99? 99. Okay, and, and then, then... Yeah, 2000, 2001. At that point, what was his like wealth at? Hundreds of millions. Already he didn't need because, the work. Right, okay. I mean, I would say conservatively, at least like $100 million. Well, right, from selling the Because his family thing, and everyone, right. they split $1.3 Gotcha, okay. He did not need to work for money. Right. He could have just been a dad and been there with his wife in yeah, her last just, years. He probably could have paid guys to like I'm, play war in front of him and actually kill it themselves. Yeah, in front he could of have him, gone like, shooting every day if he'd wanted right. to. He could have bought a ranch. Whatever. I'm sure there are people listening right now who have lost spouses to diseases and would have loved to have just been able to not work and spend as much time right. with them as possible. 
that's not the strategy Eric took. He started Ugh. a very involved business, and then after 2001, he starts going over and spending time in Afghanistan and, you know, the, the contracting business And she's still up. battling cancer? Yeah, off point? and on, she's battling cancer. He it goes in remission for a while, but then it comes back, and in, like, 2003, it's, it's really bad. Uh, quote, and not just that's bad, but the marriage is bad. By early 2003, my wife and I didn't have much time alone together to begin with, and with those stresses, as well as the effects of cancer and surgery and chemotherapy, eliminated most of the romance or intimacy when we did. I felt as if all I could do to keep things from spinning completely out of control. I felt as if it was all I could do to keep things from spinning completely out of control, and I found comfort in the arms of a woman named Joanna Hook, who had worked as our nanny in Michigan. In mid-2002, when we all moved back to Virginia, she was hired to perform administrative functions at our Moyoc Blackwaters, Moyoc facility. She became pregnant before Joanne died. So, Ugh. now, relationships are hard. If a friend who had had a spouse die came to me and confessed that they had cheated on their spouse while they was dying as cancer, I would not view that as a good thing. But I wouldn't take it as a condemnation of the person either. It's a nightmare. People have needs. Yeah. We all fall short in difficult times. No, 100%. I mean, yeah. I think it's it's always it's hard to just judge someone's character solely based on that. It's but an everything else, yeah. But I mean, at the at the same time, based on yeah. like his prior history, even leading up to that. Well, and he 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 portrays himself as a moral paragon on every page of this book. But in my opinion, this cheating is not just a matter of Eric failing in the face of terrible sorrow and stress and grasping for a moment of joy. It's an exa- yet another example of his complete inability to, degra- to delay his own gratification. Right. Like, because that's his thing, is he keeps yeah. quitting stuff. He keeps leaving. He, he gets bored. He gets bored. Right. He gets bored. Uh, or he doesn't want to be told what to do or whatever. Does he have any, like, regret or, like... Does he talk about oh, yeah, that in the book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In we'll, a way we'll, that feels believable? Okay. Well, I'm not going to say in a way that feels believable, but we'll just continue the story. Um, I do, like, I think that that is a big through line, that he cannot stand. Eric left the Air Force Academy because it was hard, and he didn't like being exposed to other people's points of view. Uh, he liked Hillsdale, his college, because it was full of people he agreed with. He left the SEALs, and I'm going to guess part of that was because he didn't like being told what to do. I didn't go into it here, but he spends pages and pages of his book talking about everything he thought that was dumb about how SEALs had to train and, like, mm-hmm. the way they had to travel. And, like, he sets it up as, like, and this inspired me to create Blackwater, to create a better training environment for SEALs. But right. I feel like he's just – anyway – yeah, you had two years, and then you're the expert. And... Eric Prince does not have a good record of sticking to things. Right. Uh, now, here is the way he concludes his story about his wife's death and his infidelity. In March 2003, on a ski trip in Vail, Colorado, Joan wrote me a long letter. She left it on the dresser in our vacation home there. My wife understood it would likely be her last time visiting a place we both loved and that I would find the letter when I returned at Christmas time, nine months later, without her. It was the most caring, most awful thing I've ever read. She knew everything about everything with Joanna. I had devastated her. Yet in her final months, Joan had found the strength to forgive me. There are no excuses for what happened. There's not a day that goes by that I don't regret the way I hurt her. After years of pain and treatments, on June 14, 2003, my beautiful wife surrendered her body to her creator and passed from this life. She was 36 years old. I cut out a small lock of her hair to keep, and I asked the doctor for the chemotherapy port that had been implanted in her upper chest. Really, the doctor said? That thing was the bane of her existence. That's the closest thing to her heart, I said. I've got it to this day. So what do you uh, think of that? Uh, uh, <laughs> Our Sophie looks grossed out. It's just so dark. It's dark that it's the thing that she hated. I don't know. I'm yeah. not going to criticize the guy. I don't, it's that. hard. Like, you know, it's like the one ter- part, 
part of this whole thing where I, it's hard for me to fully be like, oh, fuck you, you gross son of a bitch. I'm I, sure it was I don't awful. know. You, you, everyone grieves in their own way. Yeah. And I don't, I don't wish for anyone to live through that kind of no, experience. No, it seems like, like a nightmare. It's awful. Like, if you've ever had to, you know, deal with that, it's just a, it's an awful, awful it's a, experience. It's a soul-destroying thing. Uh, and I don't think he had much of a soul to begin with. Yeah, yeah. But part of me just thinks, like, I don't know if he even really – if he's even really had a real relationship with other human beings. It's like hard to that. say because – there's some more gross stuff coming up. So Eric married his former nanny and stayed with her for eight years. They divorced in 2012. Uh, in 2009, for the next nanny. Well, in 2009, two anonymous individuals who claimed to be ex-Blackwater workers filed sworn statements in federal court. One of these men claimed, quote, Mr. Prince knowingly hired two persons who were previously involved in the Kosovo sex trafficking ring to serve at relatively high levels within his company. Mr. Prince's North Carolina operations had an ongoing wife-swapping and sex ring, which was participated in by many of Mr. Prince's top executives. XE, because his company was XE at this time, spokeswoman Stacy DeLuke denied this and called it obvious slander. Also, it seems like Stacy is now Eric Prince's wife. So that seems oh, above board. Wow. <laughs> Eric what Prince. The fuck? <laughs> Kosovo sex ring guys? I didn't even there's more to dig into that one. I just didn't have because there's so much else to get into. How there's uh, also one of the other guys talked about how he's been having people assassinated who knew dirt about his company. And like made was willing to make a claim in federal court about it. I don't know. I have not gotten into yeah, all of this. Yeah, yeah. There will be more episodes about Eric Prince in the fucking future. Yeah, well, Never ending. He, there's just too much. You yeah. can't even, like we we've expanded to two and episodes. And we're probably only in like the second much. act of his life. We're in the second chapter of his book. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. right. Okay. Uh, so the first third of his book is a pretty straightforward autobiography covering you know his life and the creation of Blackwater, uh, but then it stops. After, around the time that the Iraq War starts, it stops being a normal autobiography, and every chapter starts being just him defending himself and Blackwater against different allegations of Blackwater's failures, crimes, and massacres and stuff. Wait, so how far are we in the book until this about begins? This, we're about where we are, about a third of the way into the so book. So one-third of the book functions somewhat like a biography. And then it's just him defending his company and, and him just going, of horrible crimes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the whole book. <laughs> Eric Prince, nuh-uh. Nuh-uh. I didn't. I'm a hero, <laughs> nuh-uh. I'm so good. Oh. <laughs> okay. So I'm not going to go through all of these chapters sure, sure, because sure. we don't have days for this podcast. I am going to talk about a couple of cases of him defending himself. And if you want to read the book yourselves, the bullshit tactics he uses in these will be evident. But don't don't actually pay for the book. It's bad yeah, enough that I Yeah, please steal a PDF um, from, it, or with I, a torrent or something. He said that that's not Bastard's Pod's official. Uh, oh yeah, take sorry. On yeah, the that's matter. that's no one's take. I, it I would be if it's possible to steal a copy of Eric Prince's book, and a person out there in the world did that. I would not condemn them as a human being for that action, although I would not condone or support their decision. I will go a step further and say, go to www.piratebay.org. I thought you were going to say LimeWire. <laughs> Kazaa. Download Kazaa. Download the Kazaa app. You're going to love it. <laughs> oh, boy. We are elderly men. Okay. No. So, <laughs> Kazaa, LimeWire. Let, let's talk about how Eric Prince justifies. Do you remember that fuck up in Fallujah where four of his men got murdered and two of them got strung up by a bridge and it sparked the Battle of Fallujah that killed yes. tens of thousands or thousands? A lot of people. I don't know how many. I don't. That was in the last episode. Listen to the last episode. It killed a lot of people. Uh, let me li- hold on. Let me listen to the last episode really quick. I'll be right back. And we're back. Oh my god. Okay. Yep. Fuck this guy. Right. 
Okay. Now, if you remember, uh, Eric Prince had taken up a contract to deliver kitchen supplies, or Blackwater had. Uh, Prince describes them as literally pots and pans in the book. Uh, Here's how he describes the sweet deal he made with the company to deliver their kitchen supplies. We agreed to provide a squad of 34 men to protect ESS's personnel and convoys, the convoys of kitchen supplies. Regency was to pay my company $11 million for a year of work, just shy of a million dollars per month, with an option to renew for a second year. Now, Eric describes Blackwater's mindset at the start of the War on Terror as say yes first, iron out the details later. And when he said yes to this job, some of those missing details included the fact that his men didn't have enough armored vehicles, machine guns, or actual contractors to fulfill the mission. (laughs) Details! Somebody go to like Home Depot and be like, who has uh, military experience? If you've you've ever talked to a soldier who served in Iraq in the early 2000s, they'll all agree that Armored vehicles are a pretty minor detail when you're driving through the streets of Florida. Right. Who, who needs <laughs> who a needs little them? bit of armor? And machine For what? guns? For what? Come on. It's kitchen it's, equipment. It's nothing. Yeah, it's nothing. Nothing. Oh. Anyway, yeah. Uh, Eric notes with pride that his company got the cooking equipment contract after another private security firm refused due to the obvious risk of the route. Uh, so a responsible company was like, we can't sorry. safely do this. I'm sorry. Like you're supposed to do. So... Prince picked up the contract. Uh, he hey, blames the fact. Fake it till you make it. Yeah, he blames the fact that they that they had to send in a smaller team than advertised without the proper equipment to the actions of another security company that he says basically forced them to do the mission before they were ready because these guys contract they ended it sooner than they should have ended it and so mm. we just didn't have enough time to do it. Uh, he also claims that the extra men and armor and weapons wouldn't have made a difference because the ambush was so well set up. Oh fuck off! Nothing could have stopped this from happening. In other words, the fact that Blackwater's men weren't prepared and the escort was sent out unable to meet the company's own standards was not Eric's fault. There was no other way things could have gone. And obviously they couldn't have canceled the mission because that would have been really bad for them financially. And those pots and pans needed delivering. Anyway. So just, uh, he knew from the beginning. (laughs) It was a wash. Yeah, yeah. Here's a quote from the Prager Security International textbook, Shadow Force, Private Security Contractors in Iraq. It was Blackwater management, not the State Department, that reduced the preparation time for the ill-fated security details so that they were dropped in place in their first day on the job. It was Blackwater management that decided to send out a four-man detail instead of the usual six. It was Blackwater that decided to send the detail in soft-skinned instead of armored vehicles. It was Blackwater that decided not to give the detail machine guns as required by contract. So, oh my guess so you even reached <laughs> to the fucking guy. That's just lazy. It's like you didn't even fucking follow through on the contract. Yeah, and it's. I'm sure if there's one thing you could have definitely found in Iraq at that time, it the was extra gun. machine guns. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of them. What in do the they country. mean by that? Like mounted, like 50 cal. I don't something, think. I think. Like, I mean, anything bigger than like an M4. But I think that's right. all they were armed with. It was just four guys with personal weapons. Oh wow. Which you don't want to roll through. It's kind of risky to roll through Fallujah today with that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. God. Because he's cheap. Just because he's cheap. Um, and, yeah, he and he can't he can't ever accept that something could be a failure like yeah, that. Yeah, but form. you might have to say we can't do the mission right now. Right. Leave the pots and pans. Maybe they get stolen. Right. Whatever. Like it can't go it's today. Better than people losing their lives. You would think if you were uh, a human being. Yeah, but when you're looking like, at an eleven million dollar contract. Clearly, right? whoever was working with the other security company that said no was a human being and was like, no, people are going to get killed and it's not worth it for pots and that's pans. That's why someone with like functional. Like a basic moral experience, co- though, code. too. Be like, yeah. I've been, I've had to deal with that, and yeah. that's not something I want to repeat, right? Yeah. Like, no, this is a bad idea. Yeah. It cannot be responsibly done, or, so we yeah, will I mean, not I don't, do it. I have no battlefield experience, and I would just be like, 
What are you talking about? Uh, it seems like our own rules say yeah. armored vehicles are necessary, yeah. and these aren't. I don't even take risks when I play like <laughs> Sid Meier's Civilization, <laughs> let alone like with real people's lives. Oh, boy. So a lot of Eric Prince's book actually serves as not very covert legal defenses against the families of the men who died in this attack, uh, all of whom have since sued Blackwater for negligence. Uh, Prince is very careful. He provides fawning hagiographies of how wonderful all of the guys who died were, uh, even as he throws shade on the mission commander, a guy named Badalona, for deciding to go in. Quote, no one questioned Badalona's decision to accept the mission, especially since his insistence on shrinking the convoy showed that he was aware of the risks because he asked to transport fewer vehicles because there right. were so few men. But I'm going to guess Badalona got pressured by somebody to do the mission. Oh, no shit. It was probably like, yo, we'll, cut, we'll give you another extra blah, blah, blah. It, you know? Who knows what they said? In, <sighs> they were all new to the job. So yeah. they wanted to do a good prove that right. they were company men, you know? Uh, Prince is unctuously kind to the families in his description of them. He lists in detail how he visited all of them and how he invited them to a thing at the Blackwater ranch or whatever. Uh, he talks about how sad he was, and he quotes from thank you letters that the family sent him before it became clear that negligence had been responsible for their loved one's deaths and sued him. Um, so yeah, he quotes from like the letters grieving what wife sent him in the immediate aftermath of this before oh, they knew so all the details. he got ahead of it by being really nice to them, yeah, basically, yeah. to try and fucking gaslight And then they sent them. him letters, because they were just grateful that he was seemed so caring in this terrible moment, you know, because they yeah. knew there was danger. And then they realized, oh, there was... My oh wait, you are you. This is your this guilt is, this manifested. Is, yeah, exactly. Your kindness is manifested guilt. And he makes a huge point about the fact that one of the men's last paychecks for nine thousand dollars was held up because he was dead and his wife couldn't cash it. So Prince notes that the company cut her a check directly and says, "Quote: If the estate comes after us for the money, then so be it." Reads one of our internal staff emails from the time. It sounds like the kids need the money. So he makes a big show about the fact that he made it slightly easier for them to get nine thousand dollars that they were owed. But then, you know, didn't fought the families in court over yeah. paying them out anything extra over the fact that they had, you know, sent their loved ones into a dangerous situation without the proper equipment, without the equipment that their own company's rules said that was necessary. I think moments like these really reveal how little Eric Prince believes human beings ought to be expected to do for one another. Yeah. Like, that's one of the things that strikes out to me. Like, to a normal person, this is the least gesture yeah. you would expect from a company who had gotten one of your relatives killed. And he acts like it's a great humanizing anecdote for right. Blackwater. It's, uh, he's from outer space. Yeah. One of the funny through lines for this book is Eric's refusal to call his men mercenaries. He's continuously offended at the mere thought of that. And then he drops in lines like this about the men who died in Fallujah and the legal complications around that. So they weren't combatants, but they weren't non-combatants. Badalona, Zovko, Helvinson, and Teague were civilians, but they were armed, ultimately at the behest of the Department of Defense, pursuing dangerous missions. The four fell into a glaring gray area of international law that experts in Geneva and beyond have continued to debate for years. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what do you call civilians with guns in a war zone doing, doing missions, missions for money? Yeah. Oh, if only there was a term for that. Right. Fucking mercenary. What is that? I've oh, never I mean, heard oh, of I'm that. I'm sorry, Hessians. <laughs> we call them Hessians. You know, the only thing I would call a mission was like in high school, it'd be like go to 7-Eleven for blunt wraps or like something like that. Like, yo, bust a mish. That's the only mission as a civilian. You're busting. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you'd carry guns in to get those blunt wraps, you would have been Didn't the same as these guys. The that... valley was pretty safe. You know what I mean? Ah, <laughs> uh, boy. Okay. So we're not going to take, again, we're not going to take a point-by-point -point look at every fucked up defense Eric puts together, but we're going to talk a little bit more about the Nisar Square Massacre. Now, this is where several of Eric's employees fired machine guns and grenades into a crowd, killing 14 and wounding a shitload of people. Uh, their story and the story Prince tells is that they were taking heavy incoming fire. 
Prince repeatedly references incoming AK-47 fire and points out that a bullet damaged the coolant line of one of their vehicles. Now, that doesn't gel with the testimony of Jeremy Ridgway, a Blackwater ex-employee who was at Nisar. I'm going to quote Fox News' summary of it. Just so you know, I'm not picking out some lefty source to make these guys Right, right. Bad. This is the Fox. This is probably the most charitable version. Ridgway told a jury that he didn't see any Iraqis pointing guns in Nisar Square and that there were no telltale muzzle flashes in the distance, that there was no incoming fire, and that there was no sound of AK-47 rounds going off, as would be the case if insurgents were shooting at the Blackwater guards from nearby. Now, you'll remember maybe that a lot of these people were shot in the back. The civilians who died were found to have been shot in the back uh, while they were running away, as a normal person would say it. Eric Prince phrases it as they were shot in the back, presumably mistaken for retreating insurgents. So... The military looked over everything, and their experts, who sure as shit had no vested interest in making it look like anyone had committed a war crime in Iraq, determined that this had been an excessive shooting. Uh, There had been no sign of incoming fire. Prince summarizes their view of the incident as a one-sided shooting rather than a massacre. Then he says, it's safe to say that my men and I disagree with that assessment. Except now, for the one that literally disagreed with <laughs> except that Except for the guy who t- testified again. Yeah, in, yeah. in a jury. Right. Whatever. Uh, let's most, not get hung up on that. Let's not get hung up on yeah. that. Now, most of Eric's evidence seems to be that the investigators, uh, or that his own investigators, later found a bullet in the grill of one of Blackwater's trucks. He says that the vehicles had been shot up in all of the fighting, but that they had to, DOD rules said that all of the vehicles had to be in good repair, so we were required by contract to immediately repair the vehicles, and that's why there wasn't... Oh, right, right. right. And we didn't really take pictures either, but <laughs> they were there. He says they took pictures. He hasn't. But where they at? Yeah. Where they at? Yeah, yeah. Don't know. It was it? Did I'm going to guess if he had pictures, it went to the army, and they did not find them compelling. Right. Uh, they did find a bullet in the grill of one of Blackwater's trucks, um, but it was just a bullet. We don't know what type of bullet it was. It was damaged enough that they could not definitively tie it to any particular kind of weapon. And we know that Blackwater's men were shooting like crazy. Bullets ricochet. In a a war zone where people are shooting, bullets wind up in weird fucking places. It's entirely possible one of their rounds ricocheted and got embedded in the grill of this truck. No way to no way to say one way or the other. A single bullet in the grill of this truck is thin evidence to hold against the army when their investigators say nobody was shooting at you. Right. Yeah. Ugh. Now, in 2014, four of Prince's men were convicted, three of them for manslaughter and one for first-degree murder. But last August 2017, a federal appeals court threw out the convictions for three of them in order to retrial. The man with the murder conviction, Nicholas Slatton, was a sniper who the government accused of having fired the first shots. But during the trial, another mercenary admitted to shooting shooting first, so his conviction was dropped. The other two had their convictions thrown out because the prosecutors had used a U.S. law made to prosecute domestic criminals to give them extra long sentences since they had committed the crime with machine guns. Um, So basically, if you commit a crime in the U.S. with a machine gun, you get an additional sentence. Right. The prosecutors were saying, basically, look at all the people these guys killed. We owe it to those dead civilians to try and get these guys as much time as possible. So they used that law. But the jury rightfully was like, it was their job to carry machine guns. It is bullshit right. to give them like extra time for criminals that. Criminals who that's like not illegally what's wrong here. Right, right, yeah. yeah. So they didn't get off the case because they were legitimately innocent. It was the prosecutors like fucking out. Yeah, who were yeah. a little overzealous. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now Eric ends his book by talking about his charities and making it seem like he's enjoying the peaceful retirement of a true American hero. 
Quote, it remains to be seen what my future might hold. Tomorrow is one less day than I've got now, and only God knows how many more I'll have. But in the meantime, I'm enjoying a quieter life. I had a small Hobie cat, which is a type of boat, delivered to our, our home in Abu Dhabi today, shortly after my family relocated. The kids are still learning their way around the fiberglass catamaran, the same way I once poked around with our Boston whaler back in Michigan. But most every day in Abu Dhabi is a good day to swim across the bay, catching the next gust of wind, and teaching my own children to feel at home on the water. <laughs> of course, while he was in Abu Dhabi writing this, he was also teaching an army of Colombian mercenaries to fight on behalf of the Emirati government. Dozens of those men and God knows how many other people are now dead in Yemen. Uh, so okay, <laughs> it's hard and to the say. catamarans too, like little link to now. <laughs> and now he's like, armed catamarans. Yeah, yeah. So it's hard to say what the future is going to be for Eric Prince, his new navy, and the new air force. I'm sure he's right around the corner from getting his hands on. I'm going to guess whatever that future is, it's going to involve a lot of body bags. Oh. <laughs> wow, Eric! Eric, I'm just living a quiet life now in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, what the f- training a small mercenary army for a repressive theocratic regime? Exactly, like you do. I'm well, like, I'm like the the guys at the end of Shawshank Redemption, mm. but with a mercenary but army mercenary that's going to be used right. to commit war crimes in Yemen. Uh, Hessians. <laughs> Let's call them Hessians. <laughs> oh well, I. It's it's so wild because he truly <laughs> is like wacky. the physical manifestation of capitalism and the military industrial complex. Like yeah, all in one man, in one fucking man. It's like amazing. The worst parts of all yeah. of those things just expressed themselves in the goo yeah. that turned into Eric Prince. Yeah, it's like the military industrial complex had a baby, and yeah, that, with late Eric stage Prince capitalism, late and there, sta- and there, there it is. It's Eric fucking Prince. Wow. One of the worst people who's ever lived. A true bastard, <laughs> a for true, sure. A true, true fucking bastard. bastard. Yeah. In fact, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna bump him above bastard and call mm. him a real piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eric Prince, everybody. All right, Miles, you got some pluggables to plug. Oh, uh, let's see. Well, yeah, Glade plugins, guys. Uh, they're available at most supermarkets right now. Please take that. Uh, Airwick, also another pluggable I love. Uh, but love if you're all more the free interested, ads on this yeah. Look again. Look, uh, GlaxoSmithKline. You know, <laughs> SC Johnson Wax. Please holler at us. Uh, if you are looking for the more podcast route, I'm on the Daily Zeitgeist with Jack O'Brien. We do that every day, uh, talking news and culture, whatever's in the Zeitgeist, as it were. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles Gray. That's about it. You can find me on Twitter at I Write Okay. Uh, you can find my book on Amazon, A Brief History of Vice. It's I recreate weird ancient drugs and damage my body. Uh, you can find this uh, podcast on the internet at BehindTheBastards.com, where you will find all of the sources for this episode. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at, at @bastardspod. So uh, check us out. Uh, check us out on T Public where mm-hmm. we have a store, you know, behind the bastards. You can buy our T-shirts there, and some of that money will go to me, and I will use that money to buy the liquor that I will use to drink myself into forgetting that Eric Prince exists. Mm. So uh, help a brother out with buying T-shirts. And, uh, and also let's get this Doritos campaign going. Let's, let's, yeah, yeah, tweet. Well, why what did we decide on? Why I eat Doritos. Right. If why you I have eat Doritos. That, because, guys, what we're trying to do is connect a action from the consumer to – a media source, and this is the this is how capital. And in works, fairness, so. hundreds of you have already tweeted I know, us I'm the Doritos so you bought. <laughs> impressed when I see your guys' social media and seeing the amount of people just like posing with Doritos. It's like dozens a week sometimes. Part of me gets yeah. really upset though that it's this free advertising with no. I mean, it's a good product. I, I'm oh, all, I am all right with that. Look but... at the Stockholm syndrome. Mm. You're like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. 
one day they'll recognize me. And I do hope one day they will. But yeah. these are delicious. Well, if anything, we can say you are the Eric Prince of Doritos. Thank you. Make me the Eric Prince of Doritos. <laughs> Tweet why I love Doritos. Hashtag why I eat Doritos. Hashtag why I eat Doritos. Attach at the Doritos company at this podcast. And we'll see what happens. Yeah. Maybe maybe I'll get my own catamaran. What? You with, know, with a machine with gun a machine on it. Gun. I really hope so. You know what? You know what's actually going to happen? What? Doritos is going to steal your hashtag and do an actual ad campaign for like themselves and cut, put you in the cold. That's how this shit works. If that's what happens, that's what happens. And my they, hope is that they buy me a, mach- a catamaran with a machine gun yeah i mean could you that's how this story actually is like hey <laughs> look sorry we couldn't optically we couldn't get in bed with you with the doritos thing here's a catamaran with machine guns. It's, it's it is a catamaran with a machine gun sorry it's soft skinned you know <laughs> we can't we can't go all the way i out. don't it's, plan on delivering kitchen supplies it's much heavier when you have an armored catamaran all right guys uh i love about 40 percent of you and brian bye Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.